This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Heineman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. I can't believe this is episode 170. I know. Wow. I know. We're going to have to like start making plans now for episode 200. We'll have I to think figure so. out when that is. Absolutely. Yeah. Episode 170. And I, I mean, I think we should also just tell listeners, like we have surpassed the number of downloads this year than we had all of last year. So thank you to our listeners. Yes. We're so thankful for you every single week. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, yeah. And I don't know about you, but I got to meet a few of our listeners um, when we recorded this last week. Yes. Um, at the Lifeway Women's Symposium. So that Absolutely. was really fun. That Hello was. to you all who were there. Yes. Um, but yeah, so today it's episode 170, and we have had Sarah Humphrey on our list. That's right. Probably since episode 70. Uh-huh. So we are finally getting to talk with Sarah Humphrey. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited about yes. this. Tell us a little bit about you and your family and your ministry. Sure. Um, well, I guess to start off a little bit about me, I'm I'm generally, I would call myself a creative. I love anything creative, um, whether it's um, dance or art, uh, writing, obviously. Um, I'm getting there with cooking. I haven't always been the best cook as far as um, the burners go, but I'm great at crockpotting. Okay. Um, I love anything to do with, with art or anything creative. Um, but I would also call myself a minimalist mm-hmm. in the sense that... Um, I stay pretty hunkered down at home and um and I like things clean and ordered and so I think my minimalism actually helps me in my creative life because everything's organized even if it's creative which is really helpful for me. Yeah. Um I am married to David. He has been my husband for almost 19 years this December and we have three kids um Ella, Lucy and Oliver who are 10 or I'm sorry, 12, 10, and 8, and we're homeschoolers. So a lot of my day is spent um, at home teaching, whether it's math or language or laundry, um, sibling squabbles. Those are definitely, you know, on the homeschool list. Yes. Um, lots of things like that. So typically my day my day is at home, and that's been that way for, we've been homeschooling for about five years. Um but we also have a great neighborhood. So I'm always, I mean, I see neighbors every single day. We've got a very vibrant community here. Um, so in general, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it my ministry, but just my natural outflow is just the people in my home and in our community that we're with constantly. Um, but as far as probably previous to homeschooling, um, sometimes I kind of consider myself a little bit like an octopus because I have a lot of arms uh-huh. and like they all kind of flow in a different way, but but very holistically. So they all kind of stream into one another um, at different times. So speaking of this podcast, I'm actually, I'm an author. So I've written all, obviously Solomon Says Devotional, but um, previous to that in um, 2016, I wrote a devotional called 40 Days to a Joyful Motherhood. And it was both a Devo and a um, an adult coloring book. Oh, 
And mm-hmm. so that that was released then, which was really, really fun. And it's actually gotten re-picked up and they're um, repackaging it. And we've just updated it and revised it. And it's going to be re-released this year um, for Mother's Day. So um, I'm definitely into writing there. I'm doing some stuff with Life by Women this, um, this year with a, a Bible study, a collaborative work. And I've written on some blogs and things like that. Um, and I'm an artist, so I I love to handcraft earrings and scarves. Um, I love making therapeutic baths with like essential oils, things like that. Anything to help a mom or a woman basically relax or feel warm or cozy or beautiful. Um, I love doing anything in regards to that. So I have done some retreats for women, planned some small group retreats where we can get away, kind of unplug for a little bit and um, do a little bit of teaching there about holistic lifestyle and health. Um, I was a medical major. That's what I graduated with was medicine and planned on being a doctor. Um, But once I got married, I wanted to stay home. So I feel like I kind of can connect some of that when we do our um, little retreats. Whenever Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So cool. And, and sorry, and I have one more thing because yes. I am yeah. I'm an octopus. I do all these little <laughs> things, but they kind of all intertwine. Um, I do voiceover. So this is more like probably fun for me than, you know, mostly anything else. But um, I'm co-hosting right now a podcast with everybody's favorite vegetable, Larry the Cucumber. Um, so we co-host a podcast together called The Bible for Kids. Um, we both have the same children's book agent, and so it's a really fun partnership. And we interview a new, um, a new, typically author, or anybody that um, that works with kids that's teaching them the Bible. And it's just really encouraging and refreshing to get to hear different people and what they're doing to make the world better. So that is I do some so fun. There. And some children's books and commercials and things like that too. So you it's have a, nothing going on. on. You, yeah. That was a long answer, but <laughs> that's who I am. So. That is wow. really fun. I know. I mean, it's like you are just kind of all over the place. And we have a lot of young moms who listen to this podcast. And so okay. I think they would be, you know, really interested in, in, you know, just knowing more about what you're doing and how you do that. And even, you know, we have a lot of moms who are homeschooling. And that's been uh, such a, 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 you know, an integral part of like, you know, a lot of women trying to figure that out. And, you know, very, you know, very smart women who are just saying this is an option for me. So I think that's amazing. Well, we did want to talk a little bit about a book that came out. I mean, it's been a while since it came out, but yeah. such a good book called Solomon Says. And I love that it's it's a 100-day devotional, for, but it's really geared towards preteens, which I think is an audience that we don't talk enough mm-hmm. about. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, de- the devotional book and why you felt it was important for this age group. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, we released Solomon Says Devotional last um, November, but it's it's a timeless piece. So I love that we're doing this even right before the holidays because it's a great stocking stuffer for kids. Um, we basically planned out 100 days of devotions through the book of Proverbs. So every day um, there's a scripture, there's a devotional, um, a small prayer, and an application activity for kids ages 8 to 12. And basically when we were praying about this project, we most wanted kids in this age range to have an outlet and some instruction about practical wisdom because, you know, tweens eight to 12, a lot of things are changing during that time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot, um, a lot that needs to be addressed. And we thought this could be a fun way to 
address it. And um, we purposely wrote it in a way also where the kids could either read it in order or they could um, they can pick which order they want to do it in, which gives them a little bit of control. You know, they get to sit in the driver's seat a little bit and kind of navigate the journey themselves. So I feel like we've all heard of Solomon, but I don't know how much we all know about him. Was there anything that you learned about Solomon from the Bible as you wrote this book? And what are some of the things that we can all learn from what he wrote? Yeah. um, You know, honestly, before we started writing this book, I didn't know a lot about him. Um, Of course, I knew about Proverbs. That was, you know, popular, you know, very easy book for kids to read because it's so simple and it's, you know, verses and things like that. But I didn't know much about just him building the temple or about the fact that he was writing to his son when he wrote Proverbs, that this was on purpose as an instruction, kind of an instruction manual or, you know, um, what he was writing to his kids so that they would have wisdom. And what I did know about him was that, you know, he asked God for wisdom. That was what his main prayer was, that in a time where he could have asked for a lot of different things, what he did ask for was um, wisdom so he could lead his people well. And even though he made, you know, quite a few mistakes, there were definitely some things Solomon, you know, had in his back pocket that were not the best decision. He's still somebody who's great to study because he was blunt and he was honest and simple. All the Proverbs are very much like that. And, you know, I think it's good, too, that we study people that messed up because mm-hmm. we, if we don't, we don't learn. So, you know, there's definitely there's definitely some really great things about him. And then there's also things that you're like, okay, well, if I don't follow wisdom now, I know what happens also, you know. For sure. I, I'm really, even just myself, I go through Proverbs, um, and I have been going through it for the last few months, just because it, there are 31 days, you know, 31 Proverbs, yeah. rather, chapters of Proverbs. And so it's easy to do that every single day. And my sister-in-law gave me just a really beautiful book of Proverbs. And so that has just been part of my daily walk with the Lord. Of just, And it's always such a good reminder uh-huh. of that wisdom. And so I think as you thought about what wisdom is, like, what did you learn about it? Like, and I think sometimes people go, well, that was back then. And what are some things that we can compare wisdom in Solomon's time versus our own time? Well, I mean, definitely reading through them, I felt like I could slow down some, you know, like mm-hmm. they're even though they're simple sentences and, you know, parables or riddles, they're just full of so much just in one sentence. And so I learned really to slow down and that the details matter and that literally instead of like studying a whole um, chapter of the Bible at once, I could take one proverb and really chew on it all day long. Um I think Solomon was definitely very creative. Um, He was a builder. He was a poet. He was a writer. And so I think especially in this day day and age with kids that are, you know, 8 to 12, that media piece is so big, whether it's social media or just, you know, connecting through the Internet and things like that. And obviously Solomon didn't have the Internet, you know, at that time. And so I think some of the practical, refreshing wisdom that he brings in those little blunt honest comments, you know, through Proverbs is actually very applicable to us because we can get distracted so easily now. Whereas back then, I'm sure he could get distracted, but 
you know, it's a little bit different. There's not so much in your face at all times. Um, but he really was very practical and he wrote things down um, and was a poet. And so I think we can gain a lot from just his depth from that perspective and from the fact that what he wrote was a response from God when he asked in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes we um, tend to overthink, which I, that is an understatement, if you know. <laughs> how. Um, but yeah. I feel like we, sometimes we tend to overthink things and we're just like, oh, my gosh, this is so different now. There's nothing that we could possibly like. He doesn't have anything to say about social media because it wasn't even around like he has no clue but then like you said to kind of take those principles that are said in proverbs and apply them to our lives today is definitely something that we can do and didn't solomon say there's nothing new under the sun right Right. in ecclesiastes yeah Yeah, exactly yeah but he's timeless you know the bible doesn't change god doesn't change so even though this was written so long ago i feel like for me we, we were talking a little bit before the podcast you know i'm not super tech savvy as far as like the computer and stuff goes. And so I think reading something like Proverbs is so refreshing to me because I'm like, oh, it was so simple. You know what he says? It's like a glass of water kind of in your face at times. But I love that because it is. It's just very refreshing and blunt and honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we've we've talked a lot on this podcast about how much we love children's books. Um, and we've yes. interviewed several children's books authors. And we though sometimes we feel like tweens can sometimes be forgotten let's first say how old are tweens well typically they're in that eight to twelve year old range so it's kind of like right before they become a teenager but not quite a kid right and so we've talked a little bit before with when we had katie boatman on because she wrote a devotional for girls um about how they seem to be forgotten in the book world Mm -hmm. a lot so why do you think that happens and for those who have tweens at home, how can they encourage them to read more? Because I know sometimes that age group is like, no, uh, reading is homework and I don't want to do mm-hmm. that. So how how have you encouraged your kids to read more? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm super grateful that B&H and Lifeway picked this book up because they this is a forgotten age. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of publishers won't actually even um, attempt to publish a book in this age range because that's what they say. They say, well, kids, these these ages, they're not going to read and they don't sell well. And so, you know, they don't want to invest in an age where they feel like that doesn't happen. So that was one of the reasons, honestly, particularly why we did it. We said, well, if there's nothing there, there needs to be more there because it is a critical age for kids um, where they're gaining self-confidence. And this is really a time where they're trying to find their voice. You know, they might have like some hormones that are changing and things like that. And so, more than ever, they're kind of trying to go outside of the house to find that belonging or that self-confidence or that voice um, to feel known and connected. And um, and I wanted to create a resources, and Amy too, my co-author, we wanted something to help pull them in and say, okay, maybe you don't want to read a long chapter book, but this is a really short blurb, like 250 words that your parent can read with you if you want to connect there, which is a fantastic option for this book. And that's been actually a lot of our feedback is that parents and tweens are reading it together. Mm-hmm. Um, or friends could read it together, and it doesn't have to take a big, long chunk of your day, but it still kind of gets your brain moving for that age range, um, and it helps them do something that's going to 
affect that need for belonging through God instead of finding it in another outlet, you know, that are so easily accessible to them right now. So I think in general for this book, you know, we knew it was going to be hard um, to write it, but we knew it was the right thing to do. And if we could make Proverbs look as cool as possible, which is what we tried to do, just even in like the design and the questions we asked and the activities, we thought we're doing our part at least to create another option for kids in this age range, whether they like to read or not. Hopefully, if they do it for 10 minutes a day, they'll realize how fun it is. And it's a really great way to connect with God and with hopefully their parent or another friend. Yeah. And I think, too, like at that age, you're kind of going from this concrete learning to more of an abstract learning. And when you think of Proverbs and you think about, you know, there's some symbolism and, like you said, poetry and this wisdom literature, like making it real and like having those conversations, it really does help connect from something that's real concrete to like more of how do I, how does this work in my life and how do I make wise choices or how do I make decisions or how do I have, how do I know the difference between what it looks like to be wise or foolish? Because those are kind of the two themes of Proverbs as well too. And you mentioned Amy, your co-author. So, you know, I think that's a challenge to write a book Mm -hmm. with someone. So talk about how that process worked. And then what did you learn from each other in that process? Yes, it was. This was the first time I'd ever done anything like that before. Um, She, Amy and I actually met just a little bit before my 40 Days to Joyful Motherhood book had been released. And we just started um, getting together for coffee and connecting. And I knew that she had written some children's books. And so I asked her, I was like, would you walk me through what it looks like to write for kids? Because primarily, if I did any writing, it was for adults. So basically, she just, um, she was the one that actually had this burden from the Lord to write about Proverbs. She felt very strongly that God had asked her to do it and she hadn't um, been able to move on it yet. So she was the one that was like, why don't we do this together? She's like, I've got two boys who are mostly grown and they've gone through public school. She's like, you have two girls that are in this age range and you homeschool and you have a boy that's about to be in this age range. So she's like, we have a variety of perspectives. And if we do this together, you know, hopefully we can cover wide bases. So basically what we did is we got together and we outlined what we felt like were the most pertinent um, scriptures and proverbs. I mean, there's there's some repetition. So we also tried not to repeat ourselves too much either. Um, but we tried to narrow it down to the hundred days. And then after that, we were simple. She's like, I'll take the odds, you take the evens. And we shared a document and we would just write and we'd be able to kind of see what each other was doing. But we made each devotional standalone so that, like we said, if the kids wanted to go in a different order, that gave them a little free freedom to do that. Almost like, um, do you remember those choose your own adventure books? When mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. that. <laughs> yeah, we loved those. And so we were trying to think like, how could we make that fun? Like, so that they felt like, well, I want to do this one or I need help with friendships or I need help with um you know, diligence, like cleaning my room or whatever. We wanted them to stand alone so that they could go in whatever order, but we also wanted there to be some good flow. So we shared the document and then our editor, you know, after that process was really helpful in just kind of creating that flow for us. Um, And then we each, you know, edited our own and a couple of devotionals, you know, got swapped around into a different spot. But for the majority of it, that's how we did it. And it was just really fun um, 
to partner. And I learned a ton from her just because she had written so much for kids. And this was my first time, you know, speaking the language that a child could understand. And then also keeping it within 250 words, you know, so there's a challenge. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay, this is this is a workout here trying to use my brain to, you know, put all of these things together, instead of just writing and letting it flow. You know, there were definitely some some things to learn. So we we loved it. And we're still we're still great friends. Um, And we have the same children's book agent also. So, you know, that's how kind of some of my opportunities to um, publish and things have come about. So it was really, really fun. Her name's Amy Parker. Also, if you've got littles and you need books, she has got a ton out there. That is good to know. Yeah, I love, I think anytime we can show people behind the scenes, it's always so fun. And it's so fun to see to hear how a co-writing experience goes. Cause I know we all have books on our shelves. We've read books before where it's like co-written by two different people. And that process is such a mystery. And I know it's different for everybody, but that's, that is a fascinating look uh, behind the scenes of writing something like that. So. Yeah, it was all very new, but it was, but it was easy. She made it easy. She's easy to work with. So yeah, that's really fun. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about your creativity and what you love to create and make and you like to garden you like to make jewelry all these different things so what inspires you to be creative and then how can we cultivate that in our children and um, and in ourselves because i think a lot of times we think like some people may think oh i'm not artsy or i don't like to do crafts or whatever but like the some of the things that you listed with your creativity are cooking and things like that Mm -hmm. and gardening which we may not always think of that as creative so how are some ways that we can cultivate that in our children and in ourselves yeah well you know i actually i love that question so thank you for asking me that because um i feel like creativity can sometimes feel scary because we're so used to being performance-based. So it's like, like for instance, me with cooking, like I love to chop things and I love to put it in the crock pot, but but the whole process of actually cooking on the burner was like kind of scary for me because I thought, oh gosh, I don't know how to do this or if I'm going to be good at it or if my kids and husband will want to eat what I end up making, you know, like all that. But in all reality, a lot of creativity starts that way. And so if we don't start, or give it a try, even if the first time, you know, first couple times it doesn't taste great, or if your painting looks horrible, or if you, you know, try to dance and you're all over the place. It's part of the process, I think, of letting go of some of that performance-based mentality of, well, if I don't do it great the first time, then either I shouldn't keep doing it or it's not worth it because God was a creative, you know, he spoke everything into existence by his voice. And everything that the whole Bible starts on is about how he created and, you know, gardened. Um, that was another thing that's been, you know, somewhat new to me. I, I grew up part, primarily a, like a writer and a dancer and moved in the flow of more like those kind of arts. So getting in the dirt has been really good for me. Um, learning and watching something grow where even that's kind of like, I'm kind of hands off. It's more like God really creating it and I'm just tending to it, which is nice too, to see that um, kind of that connection process where it's like, this isn't even necessarily about what I do. I mean, of course I need to water it and you know, that kind of thing. 
but just watching him do that work and me getting to be a part of it um, has just been really good. And I think honestly, when the kids come alongside and they notice that like, hey, mom's trying something new or hey, mom didn't, you know, maybe I didn't grow up learning how to do X, Y, or Z, but I'm learning now because I've got kids. And so I learn a lot from them too. Um, in their own processes of creativity because they do some things the same as me, but they do a lot of things differently. And so I think it's just really fun if we can um, let go a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's partly why I'm a minimalist is that I feel like if I do minimal, um, like have minimal things around my home, then I have more room to do the creative stuff without the stress. So if we spill milk or if, you know, the dinner ends up, tasting horrible and I need to start from scratch or if you know whatever happens I can be like oh it was worth a try you know yeah. there's no harm no foul we're getting it done you know in a certain in a certain way that works for our you know our own skill sets and whatever that looks like it's okay yeah, I love that. I yeah. um, Kelly, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I have a lot of craft supplies in my house, um, mostly because, I mean, not a ton, but I have a few drawers of them. And mostly because I uh, used to work with kids a lot and still do every so often. And so I have like stuff to make with them. But my coworker uh, saw my craft like shelf and was like, what do you, what kind of art do you make? And I was just like, I just doodle. Like, I don't do it for any reason other than just like it's something to do with my hands and it's like a fun thing to do and so I, I love that you said you know it doesn't have to be performative it can just be mm -hmm. you being creative yes yeah. and soothing and connecting and I think it's really interesting Sarah that you kind of put that together like creativity and your minimalism yes. because a lot of people think of creative people as being messy and that there's stuff yeah. everywhere so that is that's kind of a new thought for me to think through, like, because I'm like that, like, I like things to be organized, but I also want to be able to have space to, to be yeah. able to create. So I love the way you said that. And Elizabeth, you and I even just had this conversation this past weekend about if you use, and, and I'm going to get it wrong, so Elizabeth, correct me, <laughs> like, if you use your mind, when you rest, you should use your body, but if you... Yeah. If yeah. your work is your body, like you if you need work to rest with, with your mind, yeah. you, your rest should be with your hands or yes. something like that. Yeah, I've heard that before for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people will talk about like if they're at their computer all day. Um, a lot of people in our line of work, where they're writing or doing something like that for work, they do like gardening or something um, with their hands for a hobby. And so I, I still am looking for my gardening hobby or something <laughs> like that. I don't feel like it's gardening based on the lifespan of the plants that are in my home. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I need to find something similar like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's so good, Sarah. And I think that's a, I mean, and I like that you have different like a, kind of avenues that you mm -hmm. use your creativity as well too. I think that's really, um, like you said, you're kind of an octopus where you yes. can do a lot of different things. I think I, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. And I feel like, you know, you, you'd think, oh, maybe these are all separate things, but actually they end up really flowing together. Uh -huh. And then you just see this, this beautiful holistic picture of God and how even in creativity, there's order, even if you aren't intending it necessarily to be that, but he's doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just been a really beautiful process. 
for me, especially since becoming a mom, because you know, that changes everything. You have so much time for just yourself and what you just do alone. And then after becoming a parent, you know, all those things start to shift into a different form. And then you've got other little creatives around you that, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, Oh my goodness. I can't believe that just came out of you. Like that's amazing. You know? So it's inspiring too. I think to be your mom. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this is the Marked Podcast, and if you've ever listened to us before, the last question we always ask our guest is, what has marked you in your walk with Christ? Oh, I love that question. Um, yeah, it, actually, it makes me teary-eyed, actually, to think about it, because I really feel like God's presence has marked me in the sense that my first ministry is to Him. And so whether it looks good or whether it looks messy or whether I'm trying something for the first time, um, it's for him. And I, and that's something that I'm trying to cultivate in our family and with our kids that no matter what you do, you do it for God. And that's the connection piece for relationship is learning to understand God as father. And out of that, whatever happens, happens. So it's like, if his presence is there and I, I can sense him and I have found him in the word and I've you know, confirmed, like, this is where he's asking me to go. That's where I feel most marked in my life. And that's where I feel the most freedom just to be with him in whatever creative or minimalistic or teaching or whatever kind of avenue there is, um, because it's his presence that has marked me. And so whatever happens out of that is his gift to me and to hopefully to whoever else is around me. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think all of us can just get overwhelmed when we think about God's presence in our lives and His goodness to us, for sure. That's so um, important for us to remember. Um, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for your work, and thank you for the things that you are just inspiring um, in moms and your creativity. And like you said, even the your book, the Solomon Says book, would be a great Christmas gift, especially if you have a tween in your life. And sometimes they're not easy to buy for. So yeah. we, we yeah. have just given you an easy way to think of Christmas oh, yeah. and to think of a, a gift for them. So we'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes for that as well. Um, so you. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. And Elizabeth, we'll be back next week and we'll have another guest and we're excited to have you back as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. This month, we're hearing from a few people who have been marked by the ministry of Operation Christmas Child. Today, we're hearing from Irina Creek. Irina, how has your life and walk been marked by Operation Christmas Child? Well, my life and my walk has been marked by Operation Christmas Child in a mighty way, uh, in the sense of security. Security uh, in this life and the life to come. And when I received my Operation Christmas Child shoebox, I was 10 years old living in an orphanage in a country that used to be part of the Soviet Union. And I did not expect this gift at all. It was a special surprise and I was so excited about all the items that that I saw that day. 
and actually some of the items I still have to this day, especially uh -huh. my notebook, I treasure because it was the only notebook I had as a child that I could use for whatever I wanted. Yeah. And so it was really exciting. But most importantly, that day I got to learn about Jesus mm -hmm. who died on a cross for me to make a way for eternity. We were told to imagine this huge black bag of burdens that we were carrying on our backs everywhere we went. And that is how the gospel was presented to me in those days. And we were told to examine ourselves if we have anything in that bag. For example, things that we have done wrong in the past and the guilt and the shame that we feel is still in the bag or maybe fear of the future or somebody that has hurt us. And maybe we feel um, that hatred, resentment still in our hearts. And as I examined myself, I realized that, yes, indeed, I am full of those things. And I have the opportunity to be set free. And I took that chance and was set free that day. But as I continued my relationship with the Lord, I remember um, that one day the Lord revealed himself to me as the God of adoption, because he's inviting all the people of the earth to be part of his family. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying that, yes, Lord, you are the God of adoption. I started to pray to him in that way. And God then further revealed to me that he has a plan for me to be adopted. And it was actually on this earth together uh, with being adopted to a royal family in heaven. Wow. And it really just um, was something that I started to look forward to right away. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't know when it would happen, how it would happen, I was already 10 years old when I got my box. And I think this was just some months later that I received this revelation. And it was not looking like I was going to be adopted. And yet the Lord said I would be. And then just a couple years later, I was actually adopted together with my sister to America, just like God had spoken to me. And really what happened to me is I started to feel more and more secure uh, as God would fulfill the promises in my life that He spoke to me. And I, later on, I got married by God's grace, and the Lord put in my heart to actually go back to the orphanage where I received my shoebox gift mm -hmm. and to help those children. He said not to go empty-handed. And so that's what we did. Um, we followed God's instruction, whatever He led, we did. Uh, we remodeled the playground for this orphanage and uh, built a brand new shower facility because when I was a little girl living there, we didn't have house water. We never had a shower facility. We used to walk across uh, the city about twice a month to have our bath um, until that bathhouse closed. And so we were able to build a brand new bathhouse for the children. And that is fruit from a single shoebox gift that I received. Uh, and it has been such a wonderful journey for me. And it all started as a little girl, just living in the orphanage and feeling very much insecure. Um, and one of the questions I used to have is, what is going to happen to me? Mm -hmm. 
as I would look and see the girls who graduate from the orphanage and I would see the cycle continue in front of my eyes as the girls would fall into the same mistakes as their parents um, with the alcohol and having the babies that would go into the orphanage system. Mm -hmm. And it was scary. I just did not want that kind of life. I remember my parents drinking and and having their parties and being out of control. Mm-hmm. My dad being violent, um, and which is what was the reason why he went in and out of jail as I was uh, growing up in that kind of environment. I felt very insecure. But now today I could say I have been marked with security in every way. I am now secure in a family um, here in America, and I am so blessed in every way. And I don't have any question or doubt about my eternity. And even the sins now today, when I make any mistake, like I tell my five-year-old son, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes still, even though God has cleansed me, we're not perfect i still make a lot of mistakes and yet i am secure i can always come to the throne of grace and ask the lord for guidance for the next time uh in in my parenting in in my marriage in anything that i do outside the home even in my ministry god is with me and i know that he will guide me wherever i go I am just so um, loved by God, and I know that. And so that is the truth that I heard that day. And it's awesome that when you hear the truth, it has the power to set you free. Mm. And that's what happened to me in 2000 by God's grace through Operation Christmas Child. That is such an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Arena. Thank you for having me. As you just heard, Operation Christmas Child delivers great joy and the good news of Jesus Christ to children in need around the world through gift-filled shoeboxes. Operation Christmas Child collects more than 10 million gift-filled shoeboxes each year and distributes them to boys and girls in over 120 countries. And in the hands of local churches around the world, shoeboxes become a tool for evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. You can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC to learn how to pack a shoebox. You can purchase a shoebox through their website or just use your own from your closet. You can get your label on the website and decide what gender and age group you're packing for. Then you can fill it with gifts. But the most important step, as you've heard, is praying over the shoebox for the child who will receive it. Donate $10 to cover shipping costs and then drop off during National Collection Week, which is going on right now until November 21st at your nearest location. And there are over 4,500 drop-off centers across the country, so you can find the closest one to you by entering your zip code on the website. If you don't have time to pack a physical shoebox, you can now pack a box online through the Build a Shoebox Online program. Virtually pack your shoebox and choose what gifts are included. And those shoeboxes will go to countries that are closed to the gospel. 
They're literally taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, and you can be a part of it. Again, you can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, and we'll have the link in the show notes as well. We would love for you to join us in sharing the gospel through shoeboxes this year. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.